0: Christmas music through the holidays, through the Christmas holidays. Thursday, twenty one December, the Year of Our Lord, twenty twenty three. Welcome back to the War Room. I'm gonna bring in all three. Don't those uh, the carols, and we could play hundreds of these, but from the uh, from the 19th century, maybe the early 20th, but definitely from the uh, from the 18th and 19th century. Don't they show a um, a culture that's confident in themselves as these? These complex and beautiful. I'll start with Raheem and then I want to hear Brett and, and uh, Ben before we get down to the more mundane topics of, uh, of geopolitics and money. Uh, Raheem first. That's one of the reasons I love the Christmas season. You play these, these uh, carols that are just absolutely incredible. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, not just that. um, And you're absolutely right about that. But they also show, uh, you know, more than about the nation, but about the civilization. Right. This was a this was a hymn that was constructed off the back of a 300 year old uh, Finnish poem, I think it was, that itself went on the back of a uh, another 300 further year old uh, carol that was being or song that was being uh, sung. and, And that was predicated on the story of a 10th-century Bohemian king, uh, King Wenceslas, and of course the only—not to not to put a, a, a lump of coal uh, in the stocking, as Andy Biggs said last night—but uh, the only statue to Saint Wenceslas now in the world is in Prague, and unfortunately we have terrible news coming out of Prague this morning um, with 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 what's happening there, and 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 that is kind of everything coming home, right? The, the chicken's coming home to roost because that's where it started, that's how it started, that's what it sounded. Like, uh, and the carnage today is is quite some some way away from that.
0: Uh, we'll come back to that in, in a moment. Uh, ben Harnwell, your, your thoughts? That, I think Raheem said what I was thinking. It shows a confidence in a civilization, a confidence in a culture. When you go back and listen to these, your thoughts, sir?
2: Steve, I mean that's absolutely right. You don't really get a uh, four part music now at all not in not in not for popular consumption um you basically have a, a, a melody and a, a melody that's at the top then you have harmonic progression needed you don't really have four separate parts moving uh as you would do in in, in, in sort of church hymns from around the wesleyan period um but you know look people have been lamenting the decline of, of culture, on, specifically on the point that you just mentioned, right? For, for centuries, there was a lot of um, sort of scholastic concern uh, when we move from the Baroque period into the classical period, because you had the four part sort of harmonic uh, writing counterpoint f- uh, from Bach, and then in the classical period of Haydn and, and Mozart. Um, it's basically just a form of, of popular music today, melody and then sort of block harmonies beneath it. Uh, so yes, look, yes, absolutely right. There's a confidence, um, almost a swagger, even a swagger, a confidence yes. in yes. Uh, the, the art, the artistry. Um, because this, Steve, look, this, let, let, let's be honest here. This this idiom here that that we're talking about this represents the, the zenith of the Western. The Judeo-Christian Western classical tradition, and that has been declining for, for centuries. Really, if, if you compare modern, you know. By the way, that what we call high art today was popular culture a couple of centuries ago. This really just illustrates how far we've uh, we've declined. And of course, you know, just picking off now what what Raheem was saying about the, the, the tragedy, the, the university um, in, in in Prague today. As these trends continue, we're going to be watching with open mouths just how much further we have to fall in the grand abasement of Western civilization.
0: Dave Bratt, your thoughts from uh, from Liberty?
3: Great to follow up my two friends with the English accents. Tough, tough act to follow. Uh, but Jordan <laughs> Peterson has been uh, getting at this as well and shows that music uh, our language uh, at the deep psychological deepest levels comes out of music, from music. Music, of, of course, is probably considered the highest of the arts, uh, the, the, the range of controlling the emotions uh, and leading us to new heights uh, that's built into music conveys uh, what science and scientism cannot convey. And that's the grandeur of God. And so as we approach Christmas season, Uh, We're confronted uh, with the infinite God Almighty, the God of wrath and the God of love, uh, the the, the God of law, the God of liberty, uh, embedding himself in man, God becoming man in a child, Jesus born in a manger, the highest becoming the lowest. These are metaphysical claims of the highest order. the, The modern world is missing out on all of this, and the music harkens back to the great day when we had this confidence. What more confidence can you have than knowing that God Almighty up in the heavens has come to earth because he loves you that much. (laughs) And that part of God shines in you, right? That his light is in you. If that doesn't give you a boost every day and if that doesn't give you confidence, uh, and there are mysteries that are embedded in this narrative. It's not simple, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, But St. Augustine says uh, if the innocents are getting hurt, it's time to go to war. Right, there are all sorts of what appear to be contradictions, uh, but the story of the Bible and the narrative of the Bible overwhelms and transcends those man-made contradictions. God's system is not our own; it comes in a story, in simple stories that Jesus told. And boy, does music help to tell that story.
0: It's one of the reasons. Um, one of the reasons we play so much Christmas music during this uh, holiday season. From the sublime to the less sublime, I want to get everybody's take. Uh, uh, you start, Ben. Uh, the situation in uh, in Ukraine. This got to be a major piece of the town hall last night. I can tell you, MAGA um, the MAGA folks in, uh, in in basically rural Arizona are not fans of get shoveling any more money uh, to Ukraine, and less fans of tying our sovereignty, Ben, uh, to money to Ukraine. But tell us, Ukraine now is in panic mode. Zelensky's in panic mode, something they should have thought about a long time ago. Talk to us about what's happening there.
2: You see, well, look, the, the perfect uh, liftoff point for this hits today, then, is the fact that over half of the American public now believes that the U.S. is spending too much money on Ukraine. That's the starting point, I think. of of any analysis that we're going to be talking about. This is trends moving forward over the next 12 months towards November of of next year. That's what it's really all about now, isn't it? Um, Well, we spoke yesterday on the show about this announcement that Vladimir Zelensky um, said in his end-of-year analysis. He said that they're going to start uh, a a draft of up to about 500,000 Ukrainians. And we said yesterday on the show, well, where are these people going to come from? Um, Well, today, the development is that there's now been some intimations that we can speculate. um, And that is that that the Ukrainian armed forces, the recruitments, want to start tapping into this great reserve of not necessarily young Ukrainians, uh, but Ukrainians who have left, fled the territory of Ukraine over the last two years. In fact, what they're looking to do is to to, to tap into the, the age bracket of between 25 and 60 uh, which sort of shows you really where ukraine is now um, uh, on, on 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 the sliding scale towards the end game um, i just say that, that 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 according to the Eurostat, which is the official european union uh, statistics agency they 've noted that seven hundred and eighty thousand ukrainians are are now within the union the european union out of ukraine so that 's thats, that's some of where uh, where that, that offers the pool, I think, of where Ukraine might tap. That's not including uh, Ukrainians who fled elsewhere. I'll close with this point, though, Steve, um, just to pick up a point, which is a, a headline in the Financial Times today. What if Russia wins, right? I could go into that article because it has a few points in it, but I won't. What I want to say is, people now we've been covering this the mainstream media the analysts everyone realizes that we are in the end game now so if you're a young guy and you you successfully fled ukraine what possible incentive will there be to go back into the meat grinder when when the game is done right the game is done the war is effectively over um it's it's now rushes to win because we've already hit the high water mark of Western involvement now. So at this point, it's only going to be to, to, to Vladimir Putin's advantage. So if you're a young guy, or even a 58-year-old taxi driver that the New York Times uh, did a review on last week, that was press ganged in uh, to active service, if you are Ukrainian, why would you possibly want to go in now into the meat grinder, when it's not going to affect the, uh, the, the, the final result? What it might potentially... Effect and this is the deal here is that it's got the, the optics of losing Ukraine before November are going to be very bad for for, for, for the Democrats and for Biden uh, generally. So look, the question is this: right, how much do you value your own life vis-a-vis Biden's shabby re-election effort? That is the that is really the, the thing that is dragging this war on from its its. Conclusion and what we need to be doing in the West, rather than facilitating the, 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 the pushing of people into the meat grinder, is getting both sides down to the peace table to negotiate a ceasefire and then move forward from there, Steve.
0: Um, Raheem, uh, last night in front of this MAGA audience of, of, of patriots and, you know, uh, people who love their country, other than Nikki Haley, their, their, their derision of uh, Nikki Haley being vice president for President Trump – um, this was the hot button issue, I thought. Ukraine and the border, and the, the outrage of tying our border sovereignty to more money for Ukraine. Given the geopolitics we just heard, are, is MAGA and the American, the, the American working man and woman, are they far ahead of the Atlanticist and our betters in uh, in Brussels, Davos, the city of London, uh, the Upper East Side of New York, sir? Yeah,
1: well, it's. You know, I wrote this piece for the National Pulse this morning, reflecting on um, what we did last night, but really what I learned last night at the at the Cowboy Church. I, I love these moments where I get to go into real America and shake hands and have conversations with, with real, real, real salt of the earth Americans, because immediately you find this wisdom um, that you don't find in midtown Manhattan, that you don't find on Capitol Hill, that you don't find in West Hollywood. Um, or Beverly Hills, or, or anywhere like that, and and it's and it's pretty simplistic in the way that it that it works. It's the the epistemology of it is is really really very um, you know obvious should be obvious at least. And and here's what it is: um, the people who were in the Cowboy Church in Casa Grande last night do not fancy themselves as smarter than this nation's founders. And so what they do is they look back through history and they go, ah, right, no permanent alliances, get it. And I understand why. The people who uh, occupy the halls of power in in Washington D.C. and the class in New York uh, start from a position that that because several centuries have passed, therefore they must be smarter than the people who founded this nation. They must be smarter uh, than the people who, who who came before them. They must be smarter than than old King Wenceslas. Um, and that is the that is the arrogance of of we talk about it all the time. It's the arrogance of scientism. It's the arrogance of of, of humanism. And it's the arrogance of, of this uh, inability to pass not just your people's history, but human history through that lens. That's what you saw in the cowboy church last night. I know, and it sort of sounds like a, a great abstraction from that. Um, but that's certainly what I saw. And, and we can talk about kind of who these people are, right? I talk about the toughest boot leather uh, types that were in that crowd last night. But what they also are is people who are extremely generous in spirit, but who are done with that generosity being taken advantage of. That's what you see when you talk about Ukraine and the money there. That's what you see when you talk about the the, the the billions going to to foreign wars all over the world. And that's what you see when they talk about the border, right? Americans are typically pretty generous in spirit. But the second, and just like Englishmen, by the way, the second we feel like we are being taken advantage of, we are very, very willing um, to cut that cord.
0: Let me. no, I don't think it. I think it's a brilliant analysis. Are they different, really, than the folks that Churchill had to depend upon when the royal family wanted to cut a deal with the Nazis in 1940 after France fell? Are they very much different than those labor types up in the Midlands that Churchill had to depend on to have his back that said, no, 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 we're going to fight the Nazis to the end?
1: Well, I think the I think the the major difference. I was talking to to uh, some people outside of the venue uh, at the end of it last night. Um, I think the major difference is this: you, you can go to town halls and meetings like that across the United Kingdom, uh, but what you won't get is the, the depth and level of of political information, level of political intelligence, uh, and awareness that you got, you know, in Kasagrand last night. The, the, they're, they're clued up. They're wow. switched on. They're, they're hyper focused on, on not just what is going on in their nation, but the future of their nation. Um, but I think, but I think the same stock of people certainly is what you're saying. The same stock of people, yes. the same class of people. But this the amazing thing about Americans: you could be in the middle of the desert and know exactly what's going on and feel attuned to it. besides I mean, there were people in there, by the way, who have way yeah. more information than all the people uh, I talked to uh, on Capitol uh, Hill. Uh, 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 uh.
0: Hang one second. I want to take a short break. Raheem, uh, Brett, Harnwell will join us uh, next after a short break. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of: twenty twenty four will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now, you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A+ rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989890 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at nine eight nine eight nine eight, action, action, action. Okay, thank you. Uh, amazing, love this music. But Raheem, go back to this point because this is about this audience. This audience has turned into a major political force, and you could see that last night when you have. Eli Crane, Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, who are three powerhouses that have really shifted the direction of political history, with this audience having its back. and uh, Folks, you were represented. AmFest was amazing. But the Cowboy Church even, I think, went next level last night. This is a very simple, plain church in the deserts outside of uh, in Casa Grande. And it's just, uh, you know, these are. Um, this is the typical thing that we talk about that would we rather be governed by the top 100 partners of McKinsey or Goldman Sachs or the first 100 people that walked into the Cowboy Church last night. It would take the first 100 at the Cowboy Church every day of the week. Common sense, uh, decency, uh, understanding of, of life, all of it. But Raheem, go back to the thing of information because this, inc- this is important for this audience. And we said this – I said this with Charlie Kirk the other day. One of the hardest things to show is keeping ahead of the audience. And last night you could see that. This was a tougher audience, a more informed audience than you would get at the top university. If you, if you compared going to Harvard and talking to the undergraduates, to that audience last night, <laughs> there's not even a comparison. I'm talking, talking about the government students or the political science students or to go on Wall Street and talk to a bunch of uh, investment bankers or a bunch of partners at the investment bank. It, it's, it's just it's, – it's two different things, Raheem Kassam.
1: If you think I'm going to allow that to go unaddressed, that you stole my line from last night about the first hundred people that walked into the Cowboy Church, but it was a good line.
0: It's so an homage. Oh let it. me repeat. And, let me. let me, it, It's it's a Buckley. <laughs> we rip it off from Buckley. But Raheem was smart enough to bring it up last night. But and, let me say, uh, hold and, it. One other thing. Hold it. You've got an English. You've got an Englishman uh, who you know comes from a family from India. that was a Muslim belief. And you've got 250 or 350 uh, essentially cowboy types, you know, these kind of hard-bitten Americans uh, with this DC. They all know Raheem and they know his writings from the days of Breitbart and National Pulse and being on War Room and other shows. So it's it's guys very familiar with Raheem's, which is also in and of itself kind of amazing, is it not, sir?
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and it's true though, isn't it? I mean, these were people in that audience who have... Raised families with, 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 you know, through great adversity. They're people who have served their country in law enforcement, in the military, so on and so forth. Of course they know more. Of course they know more than an NYU, you know, liberal arts grad. Uh, and, but that is, but that is the, the clashing of civilizations that we're seeing taking place on this continent right now. Is the, the, as we talked about with the music stuff, right? It's the arrogance of modernity versus versus you know civilizational you know wisdom passed down through history right and 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 the juxtaposition is so stark so stark that i'm actually willing to consider that we should we should put some money together and take 100 nyu students and 100 people from the cowboy church and put them in the same room and film it all because i think that would be a fascinating moment i think it would be a fascinating moment for the country i think it would be a fascinating learning moment um, for those kids who 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 are you know they they grow up being told that they're going to lead this nation, right? Whether it's in the creative arts, whether it's through you know popular media, whether it's through politics, NGOs, so on and so forth. Um, and they know nothing. And so even for me, I, I've got to say, no offence to you, no offence to Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, Eli Crane, no offence to myself. I wanted to hear more from the audience last night. I did not want to hear more from that stage. It was Amen. it was just a phenomenal crowd. Amen.
0: That was – and the questions were brilliant. Uh, there's a term for this, uh, Harnwell. i got to get you in for this because I want – this is a piece of nomenclature. I want the audience to understand. What, what are we talking about here?
2: Uh, we're talking about the what, inverted commas, the Whig interpretation of history, which is a formulation somewhat after the, the, the event, which basically – because there weren't any Whigs, I think. I think it was formulated around 1931 – um, but it was a formulation really to, to describe the, the the Whig tradition of the, of the preceding centuries, and that's exactly what Raheem was just talking about. Really, I, I couldn't define it any better than the way Raheem did, where you have the, the Whiggish view um, is that society is, is is always moving forward, it's it's always evolving, improving, um, it's progressing, progressing. Now, so that really sort of illustrates how progressives today. Are the, the natural heirs of the, the, the Whiggish uh political philosophy. And you contrast that with the, the with, say Edmund Burke, the Irishman, who was the father called the father of modern conservatism, who who's very very much the antithesis of that idea, which is that we have you have the democracy of the dead, for example. Um, and you you know, you, you have to be as much in tune with our force. Or fathers and uh, to, to be coherent, to be honest, to what came before, uh, you you revere what, what what became what came before, and under that perspective, right? If we're saying that the, that today's woke uh, are, are basically that the, the heirs of the, the the Whig interpretation of history, well, we yes. on on say for example on the the economic nationalist front, the populist no. nationalist front, we're we're very much. Uh, In the philosophical tradition of Burke in conservatism, obviously, in both cases, updated to the modern political context.
0: But that's what the cowboy church audience was. It was Burke's dictum. They understand our history and they understand we owe as much to those that came before us as, you know, as those that come after. And that you're in this period of time with you use your agency. And they understand it's not a natural progression, that conservatism that's oftentimes it's about decline. And what the progressives take as 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 progress, we look as absolute implosion and, and collapse of a culture. And you can see that in the music discussion we had. Hang on one second, I want to bring up Philip Patrick. Philip, this gets back to also an understanding now of actually gold. You mean talk about the converging factors that are happening, but you have very sophisticated people in the world, not just people uh in the in the uh in, at the cowboy church, but people that would sit there and go, well, we're much more sophisticated financially. They've got the H B twelve C's. They've, uh, they've gone to Stanford and Chicago and Sloan uh, at MIT and Harvard Business School. They can do the numbers. And they're sitting there, these central banks, they're buying gold in record rates. And the reason they're buying gold is kind of Burkean, is that they said, hey, look, I don't know how smart we are, but this has been a hedge against turbulence for five or 10,000 years. And we're going in t- times of turbulence on testosterone, so maybe we ought to load up a gold as just a hedge. Your thoughts?
4: Yeah, it's it's absolutely correct. Listen, central governments around the world are are buying gold at the moment for two reasons. Number one, it is a very smart financial trade, right? The U.S. government, we've been printing money, we've been devaluing the dollar, and it's affecting nations around the world. The dollar's lost 17% of its purchasing power since the pandemic guess what? Gold's up 20% in the last year. So just as a financial trade, it makes sense. And second, of course, we have the geopolitics, right? The dollar is, is a stick we have been using to beat our strategic enemies for quite a while. By holding dollars, they strengthen the dollar. And I think they're looking at each other saying, why are we playing this game? It doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense geopolitically. And I think the game is up. So we now have a world distancing from the dollar and we know how that affects us longer term. So uh, I've said for a while, we are being outsmarted and it's happening day on day on day.
0: Uh, got a couple of minutes here, but I want to hold you through the break with the team. Uh, one thing I can tell you from this audience last night, they are not big fans of fiat currency. And because they see... From a working man and from a middle class perspective, what happens when you have a central bank that just reports to itself or to the lords of easy money on Wall Street and what's happening right now? I mean this this thing of rate cuts coming up and, and, and more cash infusion, more liquidity infusion. They look at it and see the purchasing power. They innately know the purchasing power of that fiat currency is going to continue to decline, and they have literally as, – as members of a democracy and a constitutional republic have absolutely – Almost no say so on that. Your 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 thought your thoughts. Yeah.
4: Well, it's absolutely, and and you know I speak to speak to the Warren Posse every day as well, and 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 the same thing is echoed, and and I think it's a reflection. Listen, at the end of the day, with with a fiat currency, there's no constraints on government spending. When we were on a gold standard, if the government was in dire straits, they had to go to the public, they had to request permission to increase the money supply. I think it is such an important decision. It shouldn't be done on a whim. It shouldn't be done because of pressure from interest groups, right? And I. I think they're they're absolutely correct. That was the beginning of the end for the U.S., and I think the beginning of the end for the U.S. dollar. So I agree with the audience, and and I agree with with both you and uh, Raheem. They are much smarter than than the people that are currently running this country. So uh, some changes there would be would be would be welcomed.
0: Before we go to break, one people because you know we'd say go to uh, Birchgold.com/slash Bannon to talk. One you can get the end of the dollar empire. Here's what's so amazing. So many people came up to me afterwards and have read that and studied it. And look, these people didn't go to business schools, right? These guys haven't had the opportunity to go to Harvard, but they're smart enough, right? And they kind of understand and going through it, particularly the way we broke it down, of the importance and, the, and really the politics of currency and how that was kind of taken out of people's hands with the setup of the Federal Reserve and, and, and the income tax and all that uh, by the really the globalist progressives at the beginning of the 20th century. But when you talk to them, do you get the same feel that these folks are, are pretty smart about, uh, about what the current world situation is?
4: Oh yeah, a- absolutely. And I think that, the, the- This is why I'm so thankful to come on the show and have the ability to to educate the public along with everyone else that that you bring on. But they're smart and they know what's happening. I speak to them every single day. Um, The reports that that you wrote, Steve, fantastic, very educational, very easy to digest. And and people are really, really enjoying them. And, And more importantly, people are leaving more informed. And I think with an election next year, that becomes more and more important. So I would encourage everyone to contact us read those reports and and just get a little bit more educated on money because i think it's going to be a big topic for 2024
0: philip just hang on for one second we'll take a short commercial break i just got i told a story last night about the french revolution i just want uh, philip uh, to to hear um short commercial break the entire team's going to stick with us uh we've got a lot more to do and uh about 30 minutes to do it but we commit to you we're going to get it done here in the world back in a moment Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans, all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. either as a consumer or a business owner. Download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. Welcome back. By the way, uh, particularly, you know, we're running nonstop here, doing specials, doing town halls up at AmFest, Warpath Coffee, Warpath.coffee. Slash uh, War Room. And you get your discounts. But um, try it, the Dark Roast. Just try it. We worked in this for a couple of years with uh, Taj Gill and the team. And Taj will be joining us over the Christmas uh, specials and all that. We're going to get Taze on here. Hopefully co host one. But check it out today. Get that big pot of coffee going when, after you've read the, uh, the End of the Dollar Empire. The first four installments. So we're working on a fifth installment. I can tell you something, Philip. Folks are... Um, they are quite interested why the federal reserve continues to print money, why the treasury can't sell the bonds now. And they're, they're headed. This is a working class, middle class audience in Casa Grande, Arizona, about 300, 300, 350 people. They're all over it. I mean, they understand everything you're talking about. They love your hits. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they don't get why the Federal Reserve's continuing to print money. And they also don't get, understand why nobody's addressing the financial crisis. And we talked about this firestorm we're going to have. They're all ready to go to the ramparts. They just need some guidance, of which we're still trying to work through. But, brother, I'm telling you, the Federal Reserve putting out a, a, a digital currency is not going to sit well with these folks. They don't think the Federal Reserve should be focused on that whatsoever. And Ron DeSantis guys abandoned states. This thing, I can tell you, in, in, in 2024, with everything else going on, this is going to be a big one. Real quickly, I told the story about the French Revolution, about how the French had lent us money in the Hundred Year War against the British. You know, you had the, the French and Indian War, then went to the American Revolution and to you know to take care of the bonds because they were they were they were really and close to defaulting. They had to bring everybody together, raise taxes. And the finance minister said, Hey, to make sure we can convince all the different states that we really need to get higher taxes on the people, let's put out the books. If we showed them the books, they would understand, and the king, you know, not being totally familiar with finance, said do that. So in these broadsheets, they printed the balance sheets and the income statements, roughly, and the people are sitting there, and look, they didn't go to Harvard Business School either, but they're sitting there, starts getting explained to them, and they realize, hey, we're living in a paradise, but we're living in the, like the sewers of, of Paris eating rats. And these guys are spending a trillion dollars in Versailles. Let's roll out the guillotines. It didn't quite work. Let's say this. They didn't get the support for raising taxes. They got the support for the sharp end of a blade. So when people and the audience love it, when working class and middle class people understand the way the system works. They sit there and go, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard, and I'm getting screwed. <laughs> the first thing is, I'm getting screwed as they are. Philip Patrick, your thoughts?
4: I mean it's it's absolutely correct and it's very reminiscent obviously of what's happening today we have a country be, that that's being run by global elites where you know we have a, a president that's making decisions to support the elites and it's the middle classes that that are getting hit right and we're feeling it look at what's happening to our paychecks they're not doing what what they used to right and we're being gaslit by the administration and I agree with you I think we're getting to the point where people are fed up I speak to them every single day like you said We're not stupid. We know what's happening. And and I think people have had enough. And I think that could be the only saving grace. I I say, you know, it's almost a benefit that Biden is gaslighting us on the economy because the people are not that stupid. And I think it will be their downfall in in 2024. But uh, it's a very good analogy because it feels like the French Revolution again. Let's hope it doesn't end with guillotines, but with uh, votes (laughs) in in the ballot box. Yeah. We don't we don't promote the sharp end of the blade, but
0: hey, uh, so let's 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 win. No, uh, by the way, so everybody in the audience loves you, Philip. They love the hits. They love going to Birch Gold. Birchgold.com/slash Bannon. You get all the free installments. Philip and I are working over the holidays with the Birch Gold team to come with the number five. And number five will be the most explosive we put out to date. Yep. Not in the, I thought four was. When we unearthed that, it was only an executive order, a temporary emergency executive order that took us off the, the convertibility into the gold. Hey, for you guys to listen at the Fed and the investment bank's hedge funds, not that we won't review that on the first afternoon of Trump's second term, right, when we start looking at what, what executive order should we tear up and just burn out in the yeah. front lawn of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the West Wing? Not saying we're going to do that, but it will be under review. Philip Patrick, uh, where do people go to, uh, on your social media to get to get to you?
4: Yeah, very simple. At Philip Patrick on Getter. Again, it's at Philip Patrick on Getter. Thank you, brother
0: Philip Patrick. Make sure you go to. Make sure you go to Birchgold, Philip Patrick. By the way, explode Jake Sherman over at Morning consul Grace got this to me. Uh, explosive polling, a breakdown. President Trump's lead. It's coming from different demographics, different age groups, different ethnicities, different races. Of course, it is. Get back to the Cowboy Church last night, and what we're, see, you know, and what we're seeing here with Birch Gold, when they talk to the posse, they're calling them up. People are fed up with it. They're fed up with working their asses off, paying these incredibly high taxes, and having this, having the consolidation of wealth in the country. And their betters tell them the way things are going to be, including an invasion on the southern border. I mean, we're down there in Arizona, in Phoenix, a hundred miles from this invasion, people are tired of. Brett, what, what do you hear when, you, when you're out with folks?
3: Well, yeah, for, for 20 years, the Tea Party, right, Taxed enough already, they've been asking, uh, Dave, when does it come to an end? When does it come to an end? And, you know, Reinhart and Rogoff Ro at Harvard wrote their famous paper after you hit 100% debt GDP, that's it, it that didn't happen. Uh, but I got, a, I got a few charts here uh, from David Stockman and uh, what, what's happening on, I watched Bloomberg you know, Financial yesterday, and, and here's the answer before we get to the analysis. They're saying, well, GDP grows at five, the economy's strong, uh, the Federal Reserve has a tough problem on its hands, but we could be in a recession any time now. How in the world can all the economic fundamentals be great, and yet they're talking still about entering a recession at any time? And the answer is built into these charts we're going to look here. And uh, as you've been saying, we flooded the zone, right? These Keynesian economists have flooded the zone with government spending, government debt. And uh, Stockman, I'll give him his line here. He's got a great quote. He said, Has it ever occurred to these Keynesian boneheads uh, that when it comes to the endless accumulation of debt, that there may come a state of diminishing returns or that more debt today ensures less jam tomorrow? In other words, less food. So you're looking at this chart. And again, 1971 comes up. But uh, Stockman doesn't cheat here. He uses just nominal dollars, right? So just no no statistics. You can lie with statistics. He's just got nominal dollars over the long run. And he shows on that chart GDP, right, the amount of stuff you make is up 2,300% over the long run, while collective debt is double that. Collective debt is up 5,600%. And so- Accordingly, the U.S. economy's leverage <laughs> ratio—that's the purple dotted line—the leverage ratio soared 357. And so, this chart is showing government debt, and uh, all of the charts I have are the same chart. They just show that there's no way you can keep—you know—the red line at the bottom GDP growing at that rate, and then debt taking off through the heavens, and then that purple line above shows the leverage, right? We're, we're in debt up to our eyeballs. Uh, and it all started in 1971 when we got off the gold standard. So the, the first chart uh, was the uh, government debt. Uh, the, uh, the second chart looks almost identical. It's consumer debt. Uh, the third chart is uh, total debt, meaning government plus consumer plus business. And the total debt, uh, because of this new leverage ratio, we now have a hundred trillion dollars in debt instead of fifty trillion. If we were sane and had the same leverage ratio we had back when we got off the gold standard, yeah. uh, we we have half the debt instead of a trillion, $50 trillion. And then the final chart is the financial sector itself, right? They're supposed to be the intermediaries, <laughs> the wise guys, and they have just as big of a problem. And so all of this is already posted at Brat Economics on Getter. Uh, but basically, this explains why everyone's shaky right now. Everybody knows a recession is imminent. This all—another word for this—what I'm but, showing you, this increase but, in leverage is called a yeah. bubble. No, but We're it's all—it's all—it's—it's
0: all—it's about your—it's all bubble. its all its its all its about your, its all debt driven Right. The debt right. can't be paid off. These massive deficits. You got fiat currency. People yep. understand this. That's why they don't use Bidenomics anymore. Dave, I know you got to bounce. Thank you for yep. sticking around. So, like, where do they get you on social media, and we're looking. At, I want to get you back on tomorrow for the Christmas season. You're the best.
3: Yep. Anytime. Great show, Steve. Thanks much. Brad, economic sign getter. Uh, go out there. all those charts are there with the summary with the link to David Stockman, who was Treasury under Ronald Reagan. A good track record.
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah, Raheem Ghassam, closing thoughts. You've got a bunch. You got a bunch of great analysis up. I want everybody to read these about this town hall. Very special town hall last night. Very rare for us all to be able to come together at one time. And uh, the audience was the audience was the star. And I agree with Raheem. The questions were amazing. The feedback was great, and just the uh, the whole vibe of it was fantastic. Your thoughts, sir?
1: Well, I'm actually looking forward to your feedback on it, Steve. I know you probably haven't had a chance to read the entire thing yet but, but, I start um, by talking about last night by reflecting on the fact that just last week you know i, I speak for myself actually, I was in black tie, you were not uh, sitting at sitting at dinner at Cipriani on Wall Street. you know the forty fifth president of the United States is giving us shout outs from the stage, and, and I start by saying in this article that actually you know, I thought that might be one of the best nights of the year quite easily, but last night came exceptionally close. If not surpassing that, because uh, there is just nothing like, I mean, nothing like you have to, the audience has to remember I'm from West London, right? I'm not from, from the West of the United States. And there is nothing like being in, in somewhere like the cowboy church, being in amongst real people, um, seeing, seeing not just the, the reality, you know, in the, in their eyes and the, and the, the despondence actually in their eyes and feeling it right. Feeling it. What well, they're feeling, their country slipping away. I was just looking at some video uh, a moment ago of another seven hundred people come over the border this morning in Lukesville, Arizona, and 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 ten thousand people on average every day uh, over the last month, and, and you feel in these people's demeanour, not just—I mean—they're not depressed, by the way. They're angry, right? And you feel that that, that something will absolutely give way here because. These people, I just don't think, are going to sit around and take it anymore. I made the point that when 1.7 million people came into Angela Merkel's Germany, you know, there were marches of tens of thousands of people in the streets in, in, in Europe at the time. And, and, and The percentage per capita has already surpassed that in the United States today, but so many people have been cowed by January the 6th and, and, and other incidents. But I don't think much longer. I think you're going to start to see mass street demonstrations against this stuff.
0: Raheem Gassam, brilliant uh, as usual, and uh, I understand now why the why the Brits who help finance most of the West, the British merchant banks, uh, why Brits every time Brits either go to the Caribbean or like the desert in North Africa or the American West, they are absolutely suckered. They're all in. <laughs> it's never. I guess it's too gloomy in uh, in certain sections of England, but when you get out to the sunshine, you guys really you fall in love with it. So thank you uh, so much. Honored to have you uh, there last night. And, uh, and great analysis, as usual. Real, real quickly, uh, uh, National Pulse, how do people get access to this? How do they become part of that family?
1: Yeah, just make sure you're following on all social media platforms, at Raheem Kassam, um, and thenationalpulse.com, thenationalpulse.com forward slash war room. Sign up. We need your support to be reporting. Things like this from real America, concerns of real Americans, uh, diving into the details and, on polls, reporting real news that comes out uh, of Capitol Hill and beyond. We need your support. TheNationalPulse.com forward slash war room. Thank you, Steve. Uh,
0: you guys did the best analysis of this U.S. Steel thing, too. might want to add with Upton. OK, thanks for him. Great. Short break. Back in a moment. EnviroCleanse just announced a huge holiday sale. Let me tell you why this is important. They're predicting another triple-demic this year, and the best way to fight a cold or flu is not to get it in the first place. That's why I got EnviroCleanse here in the war room in the Breitbart embassy. The new science in home air purification is EnviroCleanse. The reason I love it, it was approved by the Department of Defense for use on Navy combatants. As you guys know, I used to be on a Navy combatants. Now they have a limited-time holiday sale. You'll save 30%. This is a one-time good deal. So why did I choose EnviroCleanse over all the others? Because EnviroCleanse is proven to capture and destroy cold and flu viruses over other purifiers. EnviroCleanse military-grade technology wipes out bacteria, toxins, and mold that can make you sick. This is why the Navy chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. Get EnviroCleanse for your home, the viruses Will take care. The virus will take down your family. Will be gone. Right now, you'll save thirty percent during their holiday sale. Plus, you get fast, free shipping. I'll repeat that: free shipping. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com, and use the code Steve thirty for thirty percent off. Ekpure.com, Steve thirty for thirty percent off. That's ekpure.com, code Steve thirty. EKPure.com. Take action. Use your agency. Make sure you get ahead of this before flu season hits. Do it today. Okay, welcome back.
5: Um,
0: a couple weeks ago, by the way, Dr. Carol Swain is going to be my co-host for the opening of the uh, the Christmas Eve special we're going to do. Uh, so we're going to get a lot more of her in the days ahead, but I got to get in here real quickly and I'm trying to jam this in because she's got, she's done like 200 interviews. It started here a couple weeks ago. You made the comment in this whole firestorm with Stefanik in the testimony that, hey, no offense, Dr. Gay had been stealing your work for 30 years. This is how, and people know Dr. Swain, this is how you got tenure at Princeton. This is when you walked away from Princeton and got tenure at Vanderbilt, which is no small feat off original research Just real quickly, it's obvious now, and you're doing interviews. You were the lead story on Daily Mail, the biggest newspaper in the world this morning. Does Dr. Gay have to go? Because not only does she steal your work, she's been obfuscating and, quite frankly, lying about it. Uh, Dr. Carol Swain.
6: Well, wait a minute, Steve. You started off by calling her Dr. Gay. My contention now is that if you plagiarize your dissertation and you defend work that you didn't uh, fully write – Uh, I'm not sure it's appropriate to call that person a doctor.
0: Wow. 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 You would take away your PhD right now?
6: Well, I mean, what do you do? Uh, You get a PhD when you write an original thesis and you defend it before a committee and they have that celebration and wine and the cheese and they call you doctor, you know, whatever. That's part of the process of academia. And I don't know what should happen in the case of, a, a dissertation that was plagiarized I have said all along that she go back and look at her senior thesis and uh, and then work that was plagiarized and so all of it seems very fraudulent and it doesn't make me happy I'm still sad but I'm uh, I'm a bit angry but but I'm just hoping that good comes out of this and the good would come from Harvard doing the right thing they need to um, release her from, put her on administrative leave with pay. I don't care if she has a leave with pay and work out a separation agreement. And then they need to go out and find the best possible person to replace her. And it might be uh, a middle-aged to elderly uh, Protestant or Jewish white male. They need someone that's committed to classical liberalism Uh, Someone that believes in all the things that classical liberals, you know, used to believe in to try to bring sanity back to the university.
0: Dr. Swain, this is the thesis of your book. I know you got to bounce and thank you for carving out time. We started this with you and you were very, as you always are, with a kind heart and all of it. But you're kind of getting tougher on this and we agree with you. Your book is about this. Where do people go to get your, not just your writings and your news site. I want to get to all that, but you've got a new book out that essentially addresses this topic.
6: Well, my book, the adversity of diversity, and I'm going to turn It's behind me. You can see it behind me. And it talks about um, just why diversity programs need to be struck down. They violate uh, civil rights laws. They violate the uh, uh, constitution and you can buy the book, you know, from Amazon or through my website where it would go to a Christian bookstore. but that book has been for tooth and nail. I doubt if it's if it's sold five thousand copies because the left has been able to effectively suppress it.
0: We'll make sure we get it out and push it hard. Just before I let you go, you're adamant she should be put on administrative leave even with pay right now, but a separation agreement. so she should be removed as president of Harvard, and you believe, actually, her PhD should be held in abeyance until she can go back and and, and prove uh, her original research. Is that what I'm hearing?
6: Well, Steve, the reason I say she should have administrative pay, I'm trying to make it easier for Harvard, and it would make good optics to do uh, the administrative leave with pay. She really should be fired outright, and I don't believe that you get a do-over for something that's serious. I think you have to suffer their consequences and be held accountable like the rest of us would be. Unless we were progressive Democrats, they have a different set of rules for themselves.
0: Dr. Swain, uh, thank you very much. I look forward to, to t- teaming up with you for uh, the first part of our, our, uh, our, new, our Christmas Eve special. Thank you, ma'am. Dr. Carol Swain, who uh, get the president of Harvard ripped off her research and took it for her own. And Carol Swain is a voice that people listen to, a former tenured, full tenured professor at Princeton, which ain't easy. Uh, Mike Lindell, how are we doing on the factory floor of, uh, of my pillow? That's what the audience wants to know.
5: Well we're doing great, Steve. I just want to give a quick update too. Uh, everyone's hearing all this stuff with President Trump, our real president out of Colorado. We posted a whole bunch of hope at LindellPlan.com. Everybody, remember, they keep attacking him. He'll end up with more votes than voters, like Pennsylvania always does. Um, but they, everybody, we want to say thank you all for, um, uh, for supporting my pillow. And we're gonna we've continued the free shipping for all of you out there uh, at the War Room Posse. Free shipping. We have the flannel sheets. Get those. We have those on sale. Remember, for t- as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Free shipping on your entire order. Promo code warroommypillow.com. There's the number 800 873 1062 And uh, free shipping on your entire order. This is where you need to take advantage of the like the down count for the big the big items, the my pillow mattresses. The My Pillow Mattress Toppers, you guys, those are expensive to ship, but it's they're all on sale and it's free shipping to the War Room Posse as a thank you to all of you, what you've done for us these past months, and I've uh, been our biggest supporter. The Roll and Go Anywhere My Pillows, the slippers, these are all gonna be going off sale in the next couple of days. So take advantage of them now. These are the, the Christmas closeout uh, sales, the roll and go anywhere pillows, $9.99. You guys get as many as you want. And uh, we've got uh, the Giza Dream sheets on sale besides the flannel sheets. But those flannel sheets, those are War room sheets, Steve. Those are War room sheets. They've been just diving in on those. And they, uh, they're they the best flannel sheets you will ever sleep on.
0: 800 is the number. MyPillow.com, promo code WARM. Everybody last night in uh, Casa Grande knew about the uh, promo code, Mike. So thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Look forward to having you on this afternoon. Mike Lindell fighting hard, whether it's Colorado or these other swing states. Going to leave you some Christmas music. Charlie Kirk next, Jack Posobiec. We are back from 5 to 7 tonight when we will be back for the late afternoon, early evening edition of World. Until then, stick around, see Charlie and Jack.